Well, hey there, freaks. It's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce this week's very, very special edition of the Rabbit Hole Recap. Last night, Matt and I sat in front of a live audience here in New York City, hosted by Iterative Capital. We had a great time. We reminisced about the 10 years that have gone by since the Genesis block was mined on January 3rd, 2009. Uh, we got a little drunk, so this one's a little bit of a feisty episode. We had some some audience participation, so it was a lot of fun. Um, before we jump into that, this week's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, BlockFi. Uh, you guys already know about it. BlockFi is helping people uh, who are forced to sell their crypto when they're trying to buy a house, fund a business, or even pay off their taxes. Excuse me, they're helping people uh, avoid having to pay their crypto to pay for this stuff. So with BlockFi, you keep your crypto and still pay for all of your projects with a crypto-backed loan. Use your Bitcoin, your Ether, or your Litecoin, and get a USD funded directly to your account uh, in a pretty quick amount of time. With loan sizes ranging anywhere from 2000 to $10 million. Pretty big range there. Uh, BlockFi is perfect for reaching financial goals of all sizes. Um, so whether you're a small business or a big investor, you can use your crypto to, to lever up your Bitcoin, your Ether, your Litecoin. Um, so visit BlockFi.com slash Tales from the Crypt to learn more about putting your crypto to work without having to sell. That's BlockFi.com slash Tales from the Crypt. And you freaks got that special offer. If you're taking out loans below $10,000, you're going to get $25 of free crypto collateral. Added to that loan, above $10,000, you're getting 50 free dollars of crypto collateral. Um, so check out BlockFi.com slash Tales from the Crypt and see what you can do with your crypto today. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I know Matt and I had a lot of fun. I'm still hurting from it. Uh, enjoy. What is up, freaks? <laughs> this is... Uh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> what is up, freaks? Well, happy 10th uh, happy anniversary of the uh, Genesis block. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Shout out to Iterative. Shout out to uh, Jay and Aaron for, uh, for the first round. It was, uh, I loved it. Getting poetic about Satoshi. Who is Satoshi? Um, yeah, I'm a little bit nervous right now. I've honestly never done anything live. So we're going to crack open the whiskey. We have uh, Yamazaki. From uh, from a listener L- or low BTC. <laughs> I told you like three times. Yeah, at low BTC. At low BTC. Yeah, he, uh, he donated this to the pod, so we'll be imbibing this tonight as we we do a rabbit hole recap. It's going to be addition to rabbit hole recap. We're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to start off with the topic, and then we're going to give it up to the crowd. If you guys want to talk about a topic, whether it be something that's happened over the last ten years or something more prescient, more present, we'll dive into it. We're going to inter- a little interactive. Matt wanted to talk about the first topic tonight. He's very excited. I don't know if all of you saw this, but uh, the CEO of Coinbase jumped on Twitter tonight, or excuse me, earlier today, and it looks like he's looking for a little bit of penance, uh, trying to get back on the good side of the Bitcoin community in particular. Matt, cheers first. This is your topic. What the hell's going on? He bent the knee. (laughs) Happy birthday, Bitcoin. Thank you guys all for coming here. Thanks. Thanks for having us. He, He bent the fucking knee. Event today. Um, did he though? All right, so let's preface this. I, in particular, with Marty's Ben, have a long tenured history with Coinbase and Brian Armstrong. I've co- called them out uh, many times throughout the last year and a half in particular. Um, more recently, they've got a lot of backlash for their addition. Or I, would, I would think it's more specifically their 12 days of Coinbase. I think that's what really token triggered base. a lot of people. Yeah, token base. Uh, tried to introduce people via the 0x token which uh, some people would argue 
does not really accrue any value and is a very like bad first spot to introduce people. To right. Them. So they had this. They've been adding tokens. Uh, Coinbase now supports more tokens than they support actual independent chains or cryptocurrencies. Uh, and one of the tokens they added was zero X, and so they have this learn to earn. Uh, concept where you watch videos about Ox and you earn Ox by watching the videos. This um, is true. And the videos, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I have no idea what the Ox token is used for. Uh, it's, I mean, it's supposed to be used for governance, but I have no idea how it's supposed to accrue value. I watch the videos. Still have no idea how it's supposed to accrue value. Yeah. So uh, after twelve, but that days, was the least of it. Yeah, that right? was the least that of was it. Just, that was just the icing on the cake. This is after Bitcoin Classic, Big BU, um, Segwit Two X. What else is in there? Um, oh, well, all the four clients. Right? Yes, all those. So Brian, Unlimited Classic XT. Yes. Um, Segwit Two X. So it seems as though today, in, in particular, Brian said, "Hey, I'm going to try and get back in the good graces of the Bitcoin community." You were very vocal about it. It was a nice figure. threat. It was a nice threat. I was very happy about it. Were you? It was. It was. I, I mean, I saw before we started recording. Pierre talked about it. He was very happy about it. Mm -hmm. Everyone did like their little, the, whoa, their little circle jerk about being happy about it. Yeah. That's what we're doing right now. Um, you know, Brian's done a lot for Bitcoin. He's done a lot against Bitcoin. But it's, it's good to see him on today, on the tenth birthday. Give uh, actually give say the word Bitcoin. He, he said it, it like five or six times in thirteen tweets. Yeah. It was like a heavy. It was a heavy Bitcoin concentration. Well, I think this is a good segue into. I mean, this is the tenth anniversary of the Genesis block. I mean, Coinbase came in what two thousand twelve, so they've been around yeah. for almost eight years now. And so this is what I wanted. We didn't know what just how to do years. this when we were describing like, oh, what are we going to talk about tonight? We're going to open up to the floor. Uh, we're probably we're gonna. We're gonna. Our we're, strategy is usually we just sit down, we get drunk, and we read through a list of Bitcoin news. Yeah, but that's I, literally the strategy. I think tonight in particular, like going back uh, with Bitcoin's first ten years, like where Coinbase come, came in and how much it's changed since then. So that's when I first came in around 2013, 2014. Coinbase was my entry to Bitcoin. You bought coins on Coinbase, right? I bought coins on Coinbase. I, I bought just, coins on Coinbase. I just doxed myself. Um, and well, Coinbase actually doxed me to the IRS. They sent them all of my, <laughs> all of my transactions, all of my addresses, everything, all my buys. Yes, but the point here is... They fought that. That was when Coinbase was doing really good. Th they, they fought it. They tried to stop it, and then they sent it. Yes, yeah, so over the last six to eight years, or excuse me, uh, six to seven years in particular, Coinbase has sort of been that on-ramp and... For me in particular, I have fallen out of love with them, and that is as Bitcoin has evolved over the last six years. Uh, I won't even say Bitcoin has evolved. This is one thing that I harp on a lot on the, on the podcast more recently is that like, Bitcoin isn't evolving. It's an expanding universe, and we're sort of discovering it as we use it more, and uh, there's more activity on the network. Um, and sort of that's the beauty of this whole movement to me is seeing how people react differently to discovering Bitcoin. And uh, I said this on Peter McCormick's podcast last week. Uh, one thing I would caution in this space is this is, again, it's an exploratory space. Uh, a lot of people will, will put their sort of flag in the ground and say, hey, I believe this is going to be the future. And sometimes Bitcoin will prove that that future is not as advantageous as they once thought. And some people sort of cling to that idea of they thought of what it should be 
uh, sort of not reacting to the discovery of everything that's going on. I would argue that Coinbase is one of those companies and just one of many. And Brian in particular. That Brian thread, in particular, yes. That thread was, was kind of him saying, I was wrong. I was wrong. Yes. Um, yeah. So eating a little humble pie. Yeah. So that was the first topic for tonight, a little bit of a shit show. Um, does anybody have any topic in particular, past or present? We have more lined up in case you guys don't. Yeah, that, we don't have, we really have, have a pressing very issue that you want to talk to <laughs> for the 10th anniversary. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what he did. For you freaks at home, cannot hear and that. And Gemini and Kraken and all the other sites. Well, that's the thing. That's the beauty of it. So that's like going back to like 2013, 2014, there was very few sites through which there was very few on-ramps. I mean, he said in the thread, he's like, Bitcoin is the dominant currency on our platform. Uh, most people buy Bitcoin on our platform. Most people hold Bitcoin on our inner wallet. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny because Balaji, who's their CTO... He was telling people, oh, today's proof of keys, uh, which is you're supposed to pull your keys off of exchanges if you, you pull your Bitcoin off of exchanges because you don't have keys if they're on the exchanges. So you pull your Bitcoin off and we can see if they're solvent. You shouldn't have any Bitcoin on exchanges to begin with, not substantial amounts. Um, but Balaji, the CTO of, of Coinbase, he was like, everyone, you should participate in proof of keys. You should pull your keys off. You can send them to Coinbase's non-custodial wallet that doesn't support Bitcoin. <laughs> We're working on it. We're working on supporting Bitcoin. That. You know, so like it's a little bit That's lip service. Thing. Proof of keys. Do we have any data from that? Does anybody know? Like, was it material? Well, nothing has fallen yet, right? And I mean, the, ex- I mean, the mempool was not even fallen, except like for whenever like BitMEX dumps, whatever. So um, they're, they're closing out. BitMEX is fine. They have the insurance fund. But I, I talked to a few friends in like, Asia, and it, I was very... I mean, I like the concept of it, but like, it was not well transported to like that part of the world. So I and, and they have a lot of exchanges in like uh, Japan, which I think could be underwater. Saying anything, but it, you're saying something. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think for next year, we'll want, if we want to like do the proof of keys again, we should definitely like make it a real global event and like t- translate all the websites. Well, I think you bring up a good point here. I think. A lot of people in this room in particular are probably in the Twitter bubble. Like, how, how small is that Twitter bubble, do we think? Like, uh, that's a question I always have. That's my main avenue through which I consume. Uh, it's bigger than it ever was. It's bigger than it ever was, but uh, it's bigger than it ever was, but relative to what? Like, what Than it was before. It's way bigger. And, but, like... It is that, a bubble. It's absolutely... Most Bitcoiners don't ever go on, right? Well, that's the question I want. Do they or do they not? Like, do most or most Bitcoiners all like I silent? I used to go on Reddit and chats. Bitcoin talk all the time. Like, Twitter, most of it has migrated to Twitter. I think. I would argue like you still that. have IRC, you still have Telegram, you still have Bitcoin talk. Reddit to me is dead. Well, again, the yeah, point Twitter. I'm trying to get at is this confirmation bias, or like, how it's much of the conversation is happening on Twitter, and how much is it just individuals who don't even know about Twitter? Like, I, I think. I think that's another thing uh, about Bitcoin in particular that's really shining a light on something is the cultural differences that exist in the world. You literally are creating a distributed system globally and we're finding East, West has to, to, to collaborate on this stuff. And Bitcoin, like I say, it's going to change us more than we change it a lot. And we're discovering, we're having to interact with cultures that maybe you, you do not have to interact with directly in the past. I think, um, and Bitcoin is that driving motivation to cooperate with each other. Okay, and, we should get back to proof of keys, though. 
proof of keys. The issue, well, this is the whole point of proof of keys. Did they know about proof of keys? Like who well, knew about it? So proof of keys will get more effective over the years, mm -hmm. right? As you have a tradition around it. Yes. Obviously. Well, this is something um, Drew brought up that I like. Drew just did it. Drew Bunsaw from Unchained Capital did an excellent analysis on the duck, the dust that exists within Bitcoin at any given point in time, depending on uh, how much demand there is for block space. But uh, you brought up the idea of maybe like an annual dust holiday where miners will eat up dust. Yeah, the and help fee holiday. Yes, the fee holiday or something like that. These are conversations that need to begin having. We need to start having now. And that's the point I was trying to make. Like, how open are our, communica our communication channels, channels of communication? Like, is Twitter a small bubble that we're in? Like, how is the East consuming their, their information about this? Uh, that's okay, something I'm curious about. But back to proof of keys. Mm -hmm. The issue with proof of keys is that you didn't have a lot of people know about it. The people that knew about it already didn't have Bitcoin on exchanges. You know, mm -hmm. I knew about it. I had nothing, yeah, I didn't to, do I had nothing to remove. And they, they were already off the exchanges. And then the third thing is, if you're a bad exchange, like hit BTC, which no one should be using, it's just a random, horrible <laughs> exchange, they just didn't allow withdrawals. Mm -hmm. They were just like, well, we're not doing withdrawals after, after proof of keys, you know? And so like, what, so do you actually solve so it's anything? Like, it's like the threat on the door, like I have a gun. Yeah, like almost. unless you get like Bitfinex or something, you know, and, and they have warning. If they, know it's if they know it's proof of keys day, they have like, okay, we gotta get up our liquidity in two months, mm -hmm. you know, when it's, when it's time to pay out 30% of the people who actually participate. Yeah. It's a good idea. I like the idea. No, I thought Trace brought up a good point, though. Like, uh, the proof of key scares me because, again, like, this is, again, we're early. This is only 10 years in. The UX around all this shit is so fucked. I don't want to say fucked, but, like, if you're not technical, like, it's going to be hard. Like, I still get nervous when I send Bitcoin. Like, what? You shouldn't be. I know. <laughs> Just call me up. I will. Uh, I will. Yeah. But... But I know, like, what, again, let's talk about like, the responsibility of proof of keys, too. Like, you have to teach people how to take these, this financial sovereignty into their own hands. You know? No, I agree. I, it, it, and we said this last episode. Um, you, it'll never be easy to be your own bank. Because like, it takes responsibility. Like, it's an unsolvable, res unsolvable problem. Like, you ha if you have responsibility over your money... Uh, then you're responsible for it. And there's, there's no solving that issue. Uh, and people, you know, a lot of people don't want to be responsible for their money. But you, you make it as easy as possible and you, you educate them in the benefits and, and hopefully more people will do it. Now, yeah, and then you're, but again, I'm going to be the hard ass right now. Like you're driving the skeptics case. Like will it ever get to a point where you think it's easy enough where Bitcoin can go mainstream? I mean, it's already easy enough to buy Dogecoin on Robinhood. And yeah. not store your own keys. But, right? Is that the future we want, though? I'm just saying my grandmother can own Dogecoin, mm -hmm. not worry about security, probably not get robbed if Robinhood is legit. Okay. Is it in, does it embody Bitcoin? No, but there'll be options for every single person, all the different types of people. Some people will want full custodial. Some people, as they should, will want to control their own keys. And then you'll have that. Spectrum. The large spectrum in between yeah. that does like the different balancing acts. So why do we need Bitcoin at all? Should we just walk out? <laughs> Bitcoin's better money, Marty. You don't need me to tell you that. I know, I know. Bitcoin is the future. Bitcoin's why, while everyone's freaking out on CNBC and Bloomberg and everything about the economy, 
I sit here, and I'm like, I got my Bitcoin. They can't take it away from me, right? It's that nice little security blanket. Yeah, but I think uh, Jay and Aaron actually brought up a good point in their thing. Like, how do you get people to buy into this idea? Like, and I think what you guys touched on in particular that I wanted to sort of piggyback on is uh, the idea that Bitcoin was marketed towards libertarians early on as like a libertarian technology. The beauty of that, though, like if you go back and read like BitcoinTalk.org, Satoshi noticed like, hey, this actually may entice libertarians more than anybody else at this particular moment. So they were sort of like a Trojan horse into proliferating this technology. Ideally, at the end of the day, the technology, whether you're a Marxist or a hardcore like neo-reactionists, like Bitcoin where, works for you. Where did the Marxists come from? Why are we just bringing them in here? It's the same. Bitcoin. Marxists is aren't involved with Bitcoin. There's no Marxists <laughs> in Bitcoin. They could be. They could. They could use There's it. No Mar- If Satoshi was a Marxist, we wouldn't be here today because Bitcoin wouldn't exist. Well, like, no. That but just, I think that's the beauty of Bitcoin. No matter what your political ideology, like you will be able to use Bitcoin. And, okay, I agree. Yeah. Marxists can use Bitcoin if yes, they want to. Yes, exactly. They just they haven't they haven't opened their eyes to it yet. But they will. They'll buy our bags like 10x. Oh. You're selling your bags? I thought I thought Bitcoin has got to a point where you don't have to sell your bags. Like metaphorically. Okay. <laughs> Should we go to the next topic? We got Hector here. Yeah, I wanted to ask like, what do you think about like? It does seem like there's potential for this stuff to get pretty political soon. So you have like the Patreon stuff just happened. Like Patreon speaking to people off the platform. So and there's a clear, like, ideological, like, left-right split that's happening here. And I feel like there's potential for Bitcoin to get very kind of politicized, particularly by the right. To the right. right. I mean, and by yeah. the all right. And, like, is that something that, like, good for the ecosystem or bad? I think, I think ideally, well, first of all, this is best-case scenario. Repeat the question for the people at home. Oh, for the people at home, the question is, is the war on Patreon going to push Bitcoin towards the right politically? Right? Like, that was a good sum up. Yep. Um, right now, the majority of people getting kicked off of Patreon are either, yeah, they're, they're on the right side of the political spectrum. Um, this is a perfect example of the use case of Bitcoin. So it is a fantastic opportunity to educate people on why you want to control your own money, why you need to have an uncensorable uh, payment method. Uh, I mean, ideally, Trump will start going after the left so that we could have some left people that are also getting censored. But yeah, that is, that is I, I mean, I don't, is that a solvable issue? Like, we just... We no. just hope we just hope that you know we don't get pigeonholed over to the right, right? Like I think Bitcoin's for everyone, right? So we just it just happens to be that the people on the right are getting luckily censored. We luckily, right? we have Bettys in this world. The Bettys of the world. I'm bullish with Betty. For, I'm yeah, always bullish. We're always with bullish with Betty. Betty, but no, I do, I do think. By a raise of hands, who knows who Betty is? Look at that. That was like a pretty good insight. All right. Joke. So for those of you who don't know, Betty is uh, a woman who runs a, a barbecue joint Where in Kenya, she located? in Kenya, Kenya Nairobi, go. I believe, and uh, she educates her her customers on Bitcoin once a week. Um, so that's she like, bought the hotel with Bitcoin. She sells her food for Bitcoin. She has a restaurant, and yeah. she uh, we're bullish with Betty. But going back to like she educates people. Yes, uh, Bitcoin will be used to sort of paint different spectrums of the political venue or excuse me the political world uh with bad brushes at certain points in time but again like bitcoin that's what people have to remember is like bitcoin is an agnostic 
fucking soulless technology just produces blocks every 10 minutes. It doesn't know who's anchoring data into uh, a block of transactions every 10 minutes. It doesn't know what lightning channels are being created. It, is it doesn't know who we are, give a fuck about who we are. It's just going to work. And as long as it produces temp a block roughly every 10 minutes in a arguably decentral, I mean, I wouldn't argue it's fully decentralized now, but is argue if it's arguably getting more decentralized over time, I think it will work, and it will work for different people at different points of time, depending on the narratives they're trying to push. Um, but I do agree that it does kind of, it pigeonholes us a little bit. Yeah. And like you have, well, to be, you have to be aware of that, and you have to try and not get pigeonholed. Well, well, yeah. well, why are they trying to pigeonhole you? Like, why are they trying to frame it? And well, no, because they, like, say, another... they say, oh, okay, so, so the idea is that in a month, two months, three months, they say the Jordan Petersons, the Dave Rubens, the way worse people that are even more right, uh, Milo's of the world. Right. Or accepting Bitcoin and then Bitcoin is evil. Right. So you have that. We already went through this. So but you broke. also don't want to alienate the left, right? You want, to, you want everyone to be equally willing to buy our bags. And uh, <laughs> so it's important to like always try and be as neutral as possible. You know, try and be... It's, Bitcoin is for everyone. Well, literally anyone in the world can buy Bitcoin and be a part of a decentralized financial system, and that is pretty fucking badass. Thank you and for that's say, the important part. Thank you for saying that, Matt. Because I think that's the question we have to drive... <laughs> or the idea that we have to drive home here, especially at the 10th anniversary, is that at its core, Bitcoin is about freedom. Like, literally, the definition of freedom and liberty in, in the modern age. And some people would argue that freedom has been castrated to a certain point in our modern age due to the way that the monetary system is so controlled. Um, gold arguably cannot be an apolitical sovereign currency anymore because governments have it centralized in their vaults. Like right. Hayek famously said, like, we will never be able to take back the, the, the production of money unless we find a sly roundabout way to take it from the hands of the government. And Satoshi may have just done that. Um, I think if you look at like an overarching political ideology, people want change, right? You had like the Bernie Sanders on the left, you had the Trump on the right, people want change, fuck the bankers, like that's Not a, even fuck the bankers though. No, I think but that's that is, bad, it's, it's a, it's, you had Occupy no, Wall Street bankers, and you had Tea Party on the right, It's not fuck the right? bankers, it's fuck the function at which money is created. And you can't fault the individuals that work within that system. They are just cogs in the oh, machine. Oh, yeah, not the bankers, right? Yes. Right. No, it's fuck the function of money creation. It's different. You have to de-alienate. You can't make it personal. The banks. You can't make it personal against Jamie Dimon. You've got to say the system right. is set up in a way where, hey, good for them. They fucking worked their asses off and got to the point where they could take advantage of the system. Okay, can we switch to a positive topic? Okay. Who's got a positive topic? Gigi. You better have a positive topic. people talking about Subway in the world, and I think we are experiencing experiencing right now how Bitcoin is eating the world. It's like 10 years ago, Bitcoin mentioned the Times, and today the Times mentioned Bitcoin. So. <laughs> we bought the Times today. That's so, pretty fucking cool. So you freaks at home. So you, free, so you freaks at home, Gigi just mentioned. Was that a question? No, it was just a comment that a I want to expand on. Right? Yeah, it was a comment. A statement. But we have to repeat it for the people. At home. Yeah, so Bitcoin has expanded from uh, where it was hashing uh, a headline from the Times of London into its Genesis block to a point where Bitcoin is being literally marketed in the Times 
10 years later to the day. Right, so BitMEX today bought a front page yeah. ad. Shout so out BitMEX. Shout out Arthur. Arthur, I can't wait to party with you in the, sh- what is That's it? Nice the Seychelles? Seychelles. Seychelles. There we go. One yeah. day. Bring up a court case in the Seychelles. This is Come actually another out. another topic we can talk about. How much did that that ad cost? We were debating this earlier. Was it cheap? Like 30, 40K, something like that? I think it might be the best ROI of any crypt, crypto company ad. New York Times page is about Okay. Yeah, it's way better than the bullshit UFC Litecoin bullshit, right? <laughs> like, like, we got a full page. He put the chart in there. It was like really nice, you know, because he had the front page and then he went farther well, with that. And then uh, it was actually, great. It was actually fantastic. They're a, just such bad. A good driving point that drives into one of my pet peeves is they try to educate people on what Bitcoin is, what proof of work. They it had is. the research arm. They had everything. They're then, a degenerate gambling site. Yes. That has a research arm that provides some of the best education. <laughs> In this case. <laughs> Welcome to Bitcoin. How cool is that? Right? right? Isn't that fucking badass? It's true. It's so fucking cool. But that's like one thing Jay and I were talking about earlier too. Is like, do you need to teach people? Do you need to evangelize this? And I would say yes. Like, so there was a point. Santiago Siri, he said this on my podcast too. There was a point in the world where, like, clean potable water came to the world. You had plumbing. You could take a shower. You could wipe your ass. Huge. You could wash your hands. People literally had to learn how to wash themselves, how to bathe themselves. Like it took time like a generation like how the fuck do i take a shower people didn't take showers for a long time and it's going to be a similar process with like securing your bitcoin and learning how this stuff works it's going to be it's a new technology that has never existed it's is like, anyone else imagining marty like trying to figure out how to take a shower <laughs> still trying to learn so if anybody wants to bathe me later let me know <laughs> kidding next topic all right we got Harry over there. Um, so, so Satoshi famously said when when Bitcoin was trying to use for WikiLeaks, we're not ready for that. This is going to bring too much scrutiny. What, in your guys' opinion, has changed fundamentally about the technology between then and now that makes Bitcoin ready for WikiLeaks? Do you want to go first? So the question was, is Bitcoin ready for WikiLeaks well, today? Well, no. The first the question was uh, in 2011 when WikiLeaks went to accept Bitcoin donations. They weren't ready. Are we ready today? Correct. Is Bitcoin ready for- We were kick- ready then. Can we kick the hornet's nest right now? We did it. We did it, right? We were ready. We were ready, right? No. I think it Wiki- worked out. WikiLeaks held out. back. WikiLeaks said, all right. We I don't do think this. they held back, did they? I'm pretty sure they did. Did they hold back? Does anyone know? I don't I think, think they, they did. did. I think okay. they fucking started accepting it and the world didn't end. Yeah, that's true. Bitcoin um, persevered. I think Bitcoin right now, I expected Bitcoin to be persecuted in America. I thought Bitcoin was, I thought as a Bitcoin holder, I was going to have to worry in America. Um, obviously, I'm less concerned now because I'm standing in front of all you people talking about Bitcoin, which is like a little bit, this is a little bit unnerving, right? This is, uh, this is actually it's a, like, a I don't sting. work for Vice and and New York Times and stuff. I don't know. I, I can't handle this. Yeah. They're like taking pictures of me. Look, there's a camera over there. This is horrible. Right. Try and find a picture of me online. It's they, difficult. People will be able to know. But, Harry, that's a good point because I actually, last year, we were not ready at the height. I think Trump sealed the deal. What are you talking about, Trump? I talk about this all the time. I think, I think we wouldn't have come close to 20K without Trump. I think Hillary would have been amazing at regulating Bitcoin. I think she was born to regulate Bitcoin. <laughs> I, think, I think she would have she would have had a whole powwow with all the banks and they would all come together and they'd be like, we're gonna fuck this shit. Like it's gonna be destroyed, we're gonna destroy it. 
We're gonna make sure that they all get screwed. And then Trump got elected, and they were like, we're worrying about all this other shit, and the Bitcoin just flourished. And now, and now they're fucked because we have, what, two years to the next election, they might lose that, and then they're not worried about Bitcoin. Bitcoin is, is going into rich people's pockets, and as more rich people have it, it's harder and harder for them to regulate it out. And uh, I think we might have done it, but I'm just gonna... Yeah. No, and then from a technical perspective, I think, uh, like from a blockchain perspective, like last year with the, the mania, like obviously we had high fee situation. The exchanges literally couldn't stay open because they couldn't handle the, the volume of transactions and trading that was going on. I would argue that a year, 375 days since the all-time high, a lot at the protocol level, or, or not even at the protocol level, at the like blockchain efficiency level has been solved. Obviously, SegWit ad adoptions precipitated, Lightning Networks proliferated. Um, I think it's in a better spot, but we won't know until there's more traffic. We're in such a better spot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we're like, we're doing so much better. It's I, like, I would agree to what I'm it, very happy with where Bitcoin is right now. You may be too happy. You're like drunk and happy right now. I'm, right, I'm like worried about some complacency for me right now. Dude, I was happy at 6,000. I'm happy at 3,700, whatever. I'm, I, actually, I owe him a dinner. I have to take him to a it's very official nice today. restaurant. It's official today. You owe me I have to take him to a very nice restaurant along with Murad, yes. Yeah. Um, because we, we bet that the price today, I bet that the price would be higher than 66.25, and he bet with Murad that the price would be lower than 66.25. The price is lower than 66.25. Not if you're buying Bitcoin off of me, though, because I'm not going to sell it to you for this <laughs> price. So, like, you know, we're like kind of, we're like at a stalemate, but I'm going to buy them dinner anyway. So it's like, it's cool. Too much for good. Yeah, yeah. two Michelin stars because I doubled down in December, which is, you know, in my personality. So you guys should just get used to this. Yeah, um, yeah so uh, I don't know. I guess Murad figured out that I will just always double down on a bullish Bitcoin bet. And like, it just gets me every time. This is the third time right. he's gotten me. It's a good question to ask. What would ever make you bearish a Bitcoin? Ooh, what would change your mind, Matthew? That's what I want to know. I don't know if like the whole SegWit 2x thing turned out differently. I, I, I am so fucking bullish right now, it's ridiculous. Like I'm just oh, through, the, through the roof. This is what worries me, dude. Yeah, you should just be worried You're the most the paranoid time. person I know. If you're, you're waiting worried. for me to be bearish, never gonna happen. Okay. That's you're true. fucked. All right. it, the day I'll be bearish is the day like I'm sitting there and it's just like worth zero. It's just like too late. You yeah. know, it's like I was bearish too late. Okay. So like don't wait for that. All right. It's a bad idea. All right. Um. What if uh, Nick Carter, or Nick Proof uh, of Reserves Carter, one of his uh, big things he's been saying is that for us, as, <laughs> for us as users of the network, it's up to us to sort of police exchanges and, and make sure that they're solvent, essentially. Um, I was wondering if you guys know any other ways, since I would mention, I guess, most of these people in this room didn't have anything to pull off exchanges. Um, other ways for us to participate in sort of policing the exchanges and making sure we do our part for them. Yeah, I think, I think honestly it comes down to like social pressure at the end of the day. You literally have to demand it as a customer, as a user. Like, hey, if I'm going to be using He's already keys, doing that though. He's you, keeping his own keys. Yes, but. The biggest thing you can do is keep your own keys. Don't store money on exchanges. Every day that what you about don't your scenario store money on exchanges, where you hold 80, you're holding them What about your scenario where you hold 80% in private keys and then 20% on an exchange. Yeah. All right, what about that scenario? 
What about that scenario? Yeah, how do you, like, you should compel, I would argue that you should <laughs> compel the, the exchanges to say, hey, if I'm going to use your exchange, I want at least some, like, quarterly... Uh, I think Kraken was doing that for a while, right? Yeah, Kraken, well, that's the thing. Like, they were, like, providing it, proof like, of reserves. For it. Like, what does that look like, though? Is, that, is it just, like, angry tweets at them? Well, no, they can sign a message that says... Well, yes. You that can, says how much funds they have, I would right? argue in this space in particular, the, the power of the individual consumer goes a lot further than the power of the individual consumer in the overarching economy because it's such a small world right now. Like, if you... Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like. I mean, Brian Armstrong is his tweet uh, thread today was probably in reaction to a lot of members in this very small community saying, "I do not want to use Coinbase anymore." I think specifically. I, well, first of all, for our podcast listeners, the question was, "How do we keep exchanges honest?" Yes. We haven't told them that. Uh, I think, fuck that. Don't keep exchanges honest. Just make sure you have yours. You know, and then we'll all come together because we all have ours and the exchanges that aren't honest will only fuck over the people that aren't doing that, right? So they'll learn. That's my feeling on it because it's not going to fuck me, so I don't give a shit. What about the video that showed um, uh, like um, security, security uh, vulnerabilities in the hardware walls? Yeah. Oh, we talked about that. Did you listen to the pod? So what is it? It's a very good pod. Three, five, C- three, we made five sure to, We did it like a day after. It was fantastic. Great timing. Yeah, so these guys... It worked out. These guys at Wallet.Fail, they were at a hackers conference in somewhere in Europe and basically took Ledger and Trezor wallets, hardware wallets in particular. The original Trezor yes. and Yes, and they walked Ledger through Nano. four attack vectors in which they could be attacked and like basically proved on stage. Uh, supply chain, supply... Or excuse me, supply chain, side channel... Uh, firmware and chip level attacks. Should we sum it up for people? Yeah. Uh, if someone has your hardware wallet in their possession, they're holding their hardware wallet, assume they can compromise your keys. Before this, before this happened, you should assume that. That's how hardware wallets should be dealt with. Um, because it's a piece of hardware that's holding your fucking keys. So like, there, there's a chance that they can take that. Um, Every, every attack they had gets stopped by the unique passphrase. So if you have a unique passphrase, you should, you should be good. They have to brute force the actual passphrase um, after they pull your seed from your treasure. The treasure is the most vulnerable. We already kind of knew that because they went the open source route, so they didn't have a secure chip there that is proprietary. Um, so you have that balancing act where you want fully open source versus maybe more secure if it's personal. Um, if you do multi-sig through Electrum, then you could actually make it so one key is Ledger, one key is Trezor, mm-hmm. and then you kind of get the best of both worlds. Um, both companies are going to update based on this, and they sh- they should be able to... Yeah, mitigate the specific attack vectors. Yes, um, but, then, but Trezor was more affected than Ledger. Yeah, Trezor like uh, because of that open source versus using a private security chip. Yes, and to be clear, an attacker would have to have physical access to your Trezor either. No matter what, physical access is required across the board. But physical access might mean in the mail, the supply or chain might attack, mean yeah. 
taking it from Marty's backpack while he's... So that's actually, actually, it's a good point you bring up. There is, uh, so what these hardware wallets do in particular is they'll put a sticker on, a unique sticker. The sticker means nothing. A lot of people are able to use like high-tech hair dryers to pull it off. Actually, Peter Todd was tweeting about this, I think, last week. I saw week. a really dope high-tech hair dryer. Yeah, so one thing they do is they're taking nail polish now with glitter it. in it, and you so you glitter over like the... Ari talked about this like... Ari Paul talked about this like two years ago. But it, it makes sense. You, you use something that is completely random, which is like a nail polish with glitter in it that you lay over something, and nobody can scientifically tell how the, the, the glitter in the nail polish is going to go over it. You take a high-def pick, and then once you get delivered the package, you can confirm that high-def pick. Yes, it's a long sort of... Uh, <laughs> it seems so difficult, It's Mark. a long journey to... Confirming it, but Morning, it is a way to get around. You can't even send a Bitcoin transaction without being <laughs> How are you supposed to do this? How no, do but you... I'm saying the like these attack vectors are getting found and they're getting iterated on and getting better. And that is another thing. Like as we're rounding the 10-year sort of marker here, is that's where we have to realize that's where we are in this lifespan of this technology. Is it is still fucking raw. It is still terrible to work with, and it is getting better. Like, and I would argue. Uh, at, a, at I don't want to say an exponential pace, but at a pace I haven't witnessed up to this point in time uh, while being in Bitcoin. Boom. I think these things also like work together, right? So you have the problem with proof of peace, so you want people to withdraw the funds and like take responsibility. And like one week earlier, you have a hard time. <laughs> 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 okay, well, and then a week before earlier, you have. Uh, I agree. This is a beautiful And that's the, that's the, probably the attack where people are more vulnerable, and that was the less talk about one, is right. the Electrum phishing attack, where yeah. you're more likely to get attacked via phishing attack than somebody physically getting your treasure or ledger. And you're most police. likely to get attacked because the motherfucker walks up to you, hits you in the, with the wrench, is like, give me your Bitcoin. Yeah. So are we too paranoid? No, you can never be too paranoid. You have a good question. Well, if you say that you should, even before wallet.fail, you should just assume that if somebody has right. a ledger, that they can compromise it. So what, what's the best practice? Just keep it in a safe or keep it in some massive thing or something? You should, Tails. I think the most important thing is you don't keep all your Bitcoin in one spot. Don't put all the eggs in one basket. Like as a simpleton, like the easiest thing you can do is just not put them all in the same place. So if someone attacks you, like they take some of it and they're happy with it, they make money, you know, and they just don't worry about it. And, and it takes multiple compromises. You're, you're, set, you're, you're reducing your attack surface, right? Like you're trying to create a situation where it is, it is way less likely that you lose all of your money at once. And I think like if you're on your own bank, like that should be your main priority. Yeah. This is the ideal future we want to live in? Uh, yes. That's the thing, though. Is, 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 are we going to have to live in or are we going to be Yes, you have no choice. We're happy. <laughs> we should be lucky. We should be grateful that, that we get to live in this future. Jonathan? Do, do you think heavy regulation of Bitcoin would accelerate or decelerate progress? I think it will fuck America. <laughs> right? Because you're talking about America, right? You know, heavy regulation in America? Uh, or around the world? Uh, are we talking global? Let's say, uh, I'm talking about uh, progress... American progress, I'm talking about if, let's say, let's say America were to severely regulate Bitcoin, would that accelerate or decelerate progress in Bitcoin globally? So would regulation in America hurt Bitcoin? Or, or, or precipitate its, 
uh, proliferation? It would definitely hurt Bitcoin short term, but I think it will hurt America more. I think you end up in this like adapt or die situation. Well, I think I think we're seeing. I think we're seeing. It what about New from, York? I think we're seeing it happen from the other angle, where like the U.S. government in particular, and Mastercard. I don't even know if it's the U.S. government. It might just be these payment processors are coming down on these content creators, and it's the it's. It's not forcing people to Bitcoin by banning it. It's like by banning other things, like content creators having access to payment processors that uh, that are essential to their livelihood. That is forcing people to Bitcoin. But with that being said, uh, if I think if Bitcoin were to be regulated here in the states, it would de- like, yeah would have a short term like it hurts America. It hurts yeah. wherever you regulate it. Bitcoin doesn't give a shit. But I, yeah, but I would. That's I, the beauty. That's yeah. the beauty. Bitcoin doesn't care, man. Oh, no, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like, it hurts Americans. It hurts. When BitLicense got passed, it hurt me as a New Yorker, not mm-hmm. as a Bitcoiner. Yeah. As a Bitcoiner, I was unaffected. As a New Yorker, I was fucked. They fucked me. Mm-hmm. My people fucked me. And they know it. You know, Ben Lossky, he went and joined Ripple. He doesn't fucking give a shit. He does not. Right? No. But... They fucked me, and it hurts us, it hurts our tax dollars, it hurts the amount. It is amazing to me that here we are in New York, I would have never imagined this. What bid license was, what, three years ago? In the middle of the bear market? Lawski just dragged us through that shit. Right? Yeah. yeah, he dra- dragged us through that shit in the middle of the bear market. Bitcoin was $200. They were telling us it was going to be zero, but we're going to regulate you anyway. <laughs> you know? And, but- and he did that, right? And here we are in New York. This is pretty amazing, right? That we have all these people here in probably the most heavily regulated Bitcoin jurisdiction in the world because of the bit license. The bit license was garbage, absolute garbage. It screwed New York for Ben Lossky's own personal gain. And well, here we maybe, are because Bitcoin is dope. Jonathan was trying to get at, but like how. Like, can the U.S. government allow it to proliferate? Like, the, the they crux, will have to. The crux of their power. Uh, my my involves... question is, does Trump own Bitcoin? <laughs> I don't know. Does Trump own Bitcoin? I don't know. But Trump no. owns Bitcoin. No, let's get it. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? I bet somebody Look in his. I, I bet did. somebody in the street definitely. He owns, owns Bitcoin. Bitcoin, and and the question is, is do you want to be not owning Bitcoin when Trump owns Bitcoin? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll leave that to you guys. But. Well, even there, we, he'd be all about this. Sh- if he wasn't president, he'd be McAfee. Let's be honest. Like he, 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 and he'd be better than McAfee. He'd be amazing. We'd have all the amazing coins with, with, with Trump. Yeah. No, but I think it drives home an interesting point where it's like, how can the U.S. be receptive to something that would be so corrosive to their power? Um, like, I don't, that's what I think as we turn the 10-year marker here. Like, I think... Yeah, it's been a it's been a tough journey up to this point, but if Bitcoin is to become what we think it's going to become, like fucking we haven't experienced anything yet. Like things things are going to get heavy. Drew? Question on this point. Uh, Bitcoin's an ambitious So, great question. So, for you freaks at home, Drew just asked, the first decade, 
what was the most important hurdle for Bitcoin to overcome for it to survive into the next decade? And then in the next decade, what will need to happen for it to continue to survive in perpetuity? I would argue going from zero to one dollars was probably the biggest move that Bitcoin made. Just like the fact that people accrued at value at some point in time was the biggest event that happened in the last 10 years. Going forward, me personally, I think Bitcoin needs to survive a state attack. I think a state is going to attack Bitcoin. It's literally just survival, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that is the biggest thing. If we in the next survive, we win. Like Bitcoin is such right? a, Isn't that it? Bitcoin is such a threat to these incumbents that if it is, if it has the balls to do what it says it's gonna do, it's gonna to need to survive one of these attacks. And I think that might be one of the biggest hurdles over the next decade. I mean I think it's like a little bit of a cop out. Brooks? Well Martin. Nah. When? When do you think a state attacked Bitcoin? I, I mean, there was there were times where uh, network was getting spammed. That I've sat in this room and people said that it was probably staying active over the last three years. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I also wouldn't be surprised if that was somebody, or not somebody, but a group of people with a sort of different narrative they were trying to push. But I wouldn't be surprised if if the state has attacked it. I'm talking about, yeah. Do you think Bitcoin Cash was a state attack? <laughs> I, 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 don't think, I don't think Bitcoin Cash was a state attack because it'd be way better if it was a state attack. No, there's, I mean. Like very ineffective. And over the next 10 years, too. So what are we, 19, 2019 to 2029, like where, how many Bitcoins are going to be mined at that point? Like what's the fee regime going to be like? I don't know. You're seeing, do you have an answer? It might not this? even be attack. It might be just like a, hey, can the system survive on a, on a pure fee regime and not a block reward regime? Yeah. Um, Chris? Final thoughts since we're almost out of time. Uh, wow. Wait, wait, wait to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> I was waving, but. Look at that guy. Uh, what do you think Lightning is going to do to all the issues you talked about tonight, like the proof of keys issue? What happens when exchanges are incentivized to put all the coins they have into a channel or into channels? Yeah. It's something interesting. This is like an interesting debate. Like, say the question. Uh, so, Chris asked, uh, what happens when, like, uh, what happens when lightning proliferates and it, it becomes like exchanges are more incentivized to use the lightning network rather than on-chain data. And it's a very interesting debate. Like we will find out, like, again, we are exploring this expanding universe. So uh, Bitcoin maximalists would respond, Hey, Jevons paradox, like hopefully the utility of the lightning network is such that the demand for that utility drives the demand for on-chain transactions of people transacting between lightning network and the, the main chain. Um, and then on top of that, like, I would also argue that like, the Lightning Network is still exploratory. Like, I don't know if it's going to be the end-all, be-all for scaling, but I, I'm definitely bullish on it. Um, and it will be, I think, Lightning coming in in the last year and growing as much as it did is very promising. Um, and I think it will be interesting to see that during the next bull run how much of the on-chain burden Lightning takes and whether or not that takes away from the needed fees to, to keep it going in the future. Again, I don't know. What do you think? Like, exchanges aren't going to put a lot of money into Lightning. You don't think that? No. Why not? It's just too risky. They're not going to make that much money doing it. Why? They're not going to do it. So to make, Lightning, to make money on the Lightning Network... They're just you, not going to do it. You need to be a relay on it. Why not? They'll have, like, enough 
so that they can send out lightning withdrawals, right? For like low amounts. Okay. And like bigger amounts, they'll just do on chain. And they just will not put large amounts into lightning. Why is this? Because the, the stake reward isn't high enough. It is uh, people who stake for lightning aren't going to make large amounts of money. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. It's mostly ideological. Well, um, I, 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 I worry about them staking Ethereum and staking proof of stake currencies that have like super high returns, right? Returns. Um, you know, you get 10% or something, mm. something ridiculous. Like obviously you're gonna stake all of your exchanges funds. But, but with Lightning, like you stake a small amount and you just pay it out. It's like no worries. When you say staking, staking, staking is not like completely analogous. But You're putting money into the yes. Lightning Network that is getting paid based on how much money yes. is in the Lightning Network. That is literally well, But I will mark that, staking. that creating a Lightning relay node uh, and staking and like bringing Satoshis from that action takes a lot more work than actually throwing uh, tokens into a staking. I mean, you've never done, yes, you've never done the second. I've done both. You've yeah. done both. Yeah. Wow, what a shit winner. We have another question on here? <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess we're going to wrap it up. Well, Thank he kind of wrapped us up. Yeah. He, like, wrapped us up. He was like, in my question, while you guys are going over the, the time, so here's a, this is my question. Here's That's a final, literally what he did. Here's a final thought for the wrap-up. The, the final th- thought is how much Bitcoin do you own? Is that enough? Like I wonder. Like I wonder. Like I hope it's enough. Like it might not be. You're you're too cocky tonight. See now I'm worried. I'm too cocky. It's our tenth fucking birthday. Happy birthday, Bitcoin. Yeah. Happy birthday. Thank you guys for having us. Subscribe to this shit. Yes, it will. Wait, not to the bottom. We're gonna say this. Well, you guys can you guys can participate. Thank you, guys. Thank you, dude. Thank you. Anchor. Check out Anchor.fr. Yeah, at Matt Underdash Odell. Matt Odell, Marty Matt. Thank you. Craig.